HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Eat Okra, your guide to Black-owned restaurants. Download the Eat Okra app on your smartphone today. Welcome to a new episode of Item 13. Today I'm thrilled, thrilled (laughs) to have Rachel I on the show. For a variety of reasons, but one, and this is not to say that I don't love Rachel, but I really love the topic we're going to be talking about. <laughs> um, love plantains. I've always loved plantains. And in my travels around the world, I'm just always baffled by one, people who have not heard of plantains, or two, just don't <laughs> like it. Even Ghanaians that don't like plantains. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> anyway, so... First, welcome to the show, Rachel. Really thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Um, want to start first by learning a little bit about you. So who is Rachel? What do you want to tell us about yourself? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I am Ghanaian. Um, even though I was born in the States, uh, my parents were born in Ghana and migrated here. Um And so definitely come from and grew up with a very kind of strong Ghanaian upbringing, cultural upbringing. Um, And so that really was important to me. And as we continue to have this conversation, you'll see how it kind of like (laughs) shaped my trajectory in a number of different ways. Um, But that aside, you know, currently I am a dual PhD candidate at Yale University Uh, where I study Black capitalists in the transatlantic financial industry. And also, I am the founder and CEO of Kelawele, which is all about plantains reimagined and really a cultural lifestyle brand, um, really focused on connecting the African diaspora through food culture and innovation while centering plantains in really innovative and creative ways. Cool. So there's a few things I want to unpack in there as you talk about it. One on your PhD. I think we talked about this before when we met in New York, but maybe share a little bit about why you chose the focus, you know, what you're focusing on in your PhD. Yeah, great That's, question. Because so, it's really interesting, I think. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to my PhD, that actually has a lot to do with what I was doing prior to grad school, right out of undergrad, I actually started my professional career on Wall Street as a Goldman Sachs. Um, 
And, you know, it was, it was happenstance. I would have never thought that I would wind up in the finance industry, (laughs) you know, but I did. And it was so kind of transformative for me, but also informative in terms of kind of the graduate studies that I've shaped out for myself now. And graduate school is always kind of something I thought that I would pursue, but I wasn't quite sure what my area of study would be. But while I was on Wall Street, I grew really interested in how Black financial professionals really kind of conceive of success in that space. How do they navigate that space where historically, of course, as we know, they've been marginalized. Um, But then also there was this trend that I was noticing that for a lot of Black professionals who kind of see their place on Wall Street as one of kind of diminishing returns where for whatever reason they don't feel valued or their skill set isn't kind of um, compensated as it should be, they were leaving and creating financial institutions of their own elsewhere or kind of finding ways to kind of critically invest in the African continent. And, you know, these folks were either diasporans or um, born um on the continent and migrated elsewhere. And so that was a really kind of interesting phenomenon to kind of track. And I was noticing a lot of the folks who were returning to the continent were looking specifically at Ghana um, and how they could think about transforming the financial industry there and by extension, kind of the global financial industry. And so that, (laughs) you know, big um, research topic and all the questions that come with it shaped my research now. And um, even though it's, you know, focused on finance and entrepreneurship, there's certainly a lot of parallels with um, my own entrepreneurship and the kind of work that I do with Kelowale, even though that's food and totally different, <laughs> you know, right. in some fundamental yes. ways. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's actually a good sort of segue into then, like, how did you end up in, in the world of food? What was your inspiration to start Kelowale? Yeah. So as I was saying in my little kind of intro, you know, growing up in a Ghanaian home, that was totally informative for the business, you know, and I tell people my own plantain love story started when, you know, as far back as I can remember my mom making me Kelowale and I fell in love. And it's funny because, I mean, as you know, you can have ripe plantains that are naturally sweet and Mm. delicious. And I had such a sweet tooth as a little (laughs) kid and my mom would never let us eat like candy or things like that. So plantains were like the closest I could get to dessert. And um, I was just hooked and obsessed from that point as a little kid and was always so excited to eat them. And over time, you know, plantains just grew to have different um, levels of importance in my life. And, you know, so it started as a kid loving them. And then I got older, you know, I was an undergrad at NYU and a broke, you know, undergrad (laughs) at that. And like plantains are super affordable, you know, I'd get them for two for a dollar, four for a dollar sometimes. So it was like always something I could rely on as like an easy, affordable budget item for groceries any week. And then later on, you know, I went vegan again, plantains became like a (laughs) go-to vegan staple, both for like a dairy substitute and a meat substitute. Um, And then later on, you know, in starting my grad program, you know, which is 
joint in African-American studies and anthropology. And for me, being a cultural anthropologist, I got really interested in this question of culture and all the different ways in which cultural production um, takes shape in different societies. And food being one of the staple kind of cultural productions that we can turn to to understand how people understand themselves individually and collectively. And so there's a whole narrative around how plantains became and are, at least for me, this symbol of the diaspora because, you know, I can be from Ghana, the next person can be from the Caribbean, the next person can be from Latin America, but we all have this kind of shared familiarity with plantains. And so I loved all of that. And so that's what kind of really inspired me to do something because I felt like, you know, plantains were more than just food. They were kind of symbolic of all these other things I was talking about, whether it be health or culture or identity. Um, and so that's what really kind of put the fire in my butt to get going. Yeah. Um, but it really all started with just, you know, my mom making them for me as a kid. That's so interesting, especially when you talk about um, this idea of the interconnectedness. Let me say that right. Interconnectedness yeah. of mm. food cultures, especially around plantain, because as you probably know by now, I've mentioned it to, to the hilt um, over and over again. But I just have lived and worked around the world, um, actually primarily through my work in financial services. Mm. And... Mm -hmm. um, one of the common threads for me, like everywhere I go is looking for plant. Like it's literally the thing I look for. <laughs> Not even kidding. Like everywhere I go. Oh, and one so that, you know, so that for me is like my connection to to the idea of home when I'm mm. you know, living and working abroad. And then exactly. two, just my connection to other people in the places that I go to because right. of the different ways in which they they treat or they view plantain as part of their food culture, right? And so right. being in South Africa, being in South Africa, and I've shared this on the podcast before, I was just blown away, one, by the fact that South Africans don't eat plantains. <laughs> so and They're very, they're, you know, they're not a staple. Yeah. You gotta really look for them. I, I had to, and it was just this, like, I remember Sundays, <laughs> I'm literally, like, going around, and Johannesburg is spread out, if anybody's been to Johannesburg, it's super spread out, and so I'm calling grocery stores, <laughs> I'm calling grocery stores across Johannesburg to see, because I'm like, okay, I have the whole day, I'm gonna go wherever I can find it, and yeah. I remember specifically one story, I'm probably going over time here, but I remember the story one time I, I went to a grocery store, um, where I fi like finally had found plantains, I was so I was like literally filling my grocery basket, and the, luckily wow. they were like green. So I was like, okay, mm -hmm. this is gonna I'm gonna I can get as much as I want, and it will last. Oh. So I'm like loading up my basket, and then this older South African woman comes to me and says, "Oh, like why are you getting all these plantains? Like little girl, like I'm I'm with people people have met me in person. I'm I'm small in stature, and so she's like, oh little girl, <laughs> why are you getting all these um oh you know bananas." you know she said bananas mm. and I was like no these are not bananas these are plantains <laughs> she's like what are plantains and I'm like oh my god and so then I describe it to her 
and yeah. I explained the different things you can do and she was so fascinated like her eyes open like, I'm like <laughs> oh my god I can't believe I'm having to do this on the African continent but yeah right, right. <laughs> um, wow. that's just always been so interesting to me and then even like when I lived in Joburg too like I had a lot of friends from East Africa who then would have this conversation about whether they are cooking bananas or plant you know because they have a mm. different view on what that is um, mm-hmm. so it's always mm-hmm. interesting to me and um, just spot on in terms of your experience and, and how that ties into what I've seen and experienced right. around the world. Um, oh, I love that. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm plantain freaks. <laughs> <laughs> A woman after my own heart. <laughs> um, so like, you know, you, you inspired by this, by your, you know, your personal, your personal and lived experiences, the things you're learning um, through, you know, your education. What, mm-hmm. There's a lot of us who, like, you know, I'm interested in this or that, but then don't actually go forward and do anything about it. So what, I know you said it lit a fire and you like, what specifically, what pushed you to say, okay, I'm actually going to do this and actually physically start doing yeah. And then how did you, and then how did you start? Like, what were the yeah. things that you did? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think for me, it was actually friends you know I Mm. think maybe my friends just got tired of me talking (laughs) about it for so long you know because I can remember a distinct conversation I was having with a friend of mine you know in the spring of 2018 and he's like you really should just do it just start and it was just like a light bulb clicked and I was like you know what you're right I should just do it. You know, it just sounded simple at that point. I think leading up to it, it it would be this kind of nagging idea, but it seemed so cumbersome. And I was like, okay, maybe later, maybe later. But for some reason at that point, everything kind of aligned. And I was like, okay, I think this is time. And so how it started was very small, you know, just by creating different dishes, which I was already doing, but this time around, you know, I was more diligent and kind of writing down my recipes and being very kind of methodical and just writing everything down and archiving everything. And I had a first event. It was like a super small kickback in my apartment and I called it a plantain kickback. And (laughs) it was maybe like eight or 10 of my friends that came And I just kind of showcased a bunch of the different dishes that I had been working on. And, you know, everyone loved it. We had a really great time. And, you know, it's this speaks to like my poor sense of like scale because (laughs) um, so we I had that tiny event in my Brooklyn apartment. And then from there, I decided, you know what, I should sign up for a festival. You know, New York City, we have all these different festivals. And so the International African Arts Festival has been a staple festival in the community for many, many years now. And it's a four-day festival. And it's four consecutive days, starts at like 9 a.m., ends at like 10 p.m. every day. And I was like, I can do this. I can. All all four days? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Exactly. I was not properly thinking through logistically, operationally, how to make that happen. But I was like, just off of such good energy from the kickback. Yeah. I was like, okay, I can do this, you know? And so it was the most incredible learning curve, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> for such a short period of time, but it was, it was awesome. And I think it was a great way actually to kind of get started and just dive 
deep end and get going. Um, but yeah, but then from there, continuing to do festivals, different pop-ups was really hit the ground running, um, by doing that. And then we expanded slowly, but surely, but yeah, that's how it got started. It was really just a conversation. Yeah. That's great. And I, I think I actually didn't, when you said just do it, it's actually, I was interviewed on a podcast a couple of weeks ago where someone mm. asked me the same question. And I thought like, I don't even know, I hadn't thought about it in a really long time. And mm. and then I said, you know, it was a just do it thing too, right? So it was just mm-hmm. do the first, the, the, take the next step and the next step. Like I thought of an idea and I just did it. And then based on that, you know. Yeah. You know, sort of tweak stuff, and then okay, I can do X, Y, and then it just sort of grew, right? So right. sometimes right. you don't need to have like all your yeah. T's crossed, and your eyes dotted. Exactly. You just need to take that first step, and then things yeah. just will sort of fall where exactly. they may. Exactly. Um, so let's talk now before we go on break about your product line, all the amazing. Because if you you guys go and we'll share this in the show notes, um, where you can find Kelly Willie and all that. But especially on their Instagram page, like don't go onto that page hungry. <laughs> You're gonna see so many delectable things, some of which you will even be surprised are made out of plantain. So, want to talk about all the different offerings that you've sort of created over the years, um, and then especially your latest one, especially which I'm most excited about, plantain wine. But let's start oh, with yes. like the baked goods and the ice creams and and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So as you'll see on the website or on our Instagram, you know. Our creations really span the gamut from beverages, you know, entrees, appetizers, kind of big plates, desserts, literally anything you could think of. (laughs) We probably (laughs) made with plantains at this point. Um, And, you know, certainly I think our sweet treats have been our kind of most fascinating items um, for kind of the trajectory or for really the long span of the time we've been in business, but especially our plantain ice cream, which, you know, the base of that is our plantain milk. Um, and it comes in a number of different flavors. And it's also my favorite product offering when people ask, and not because of the taste, because all of our products taste really delicious, but really because it just took the longest time to Mm. get right. Um, Because anyone who knows kind of vegan ice cream, you know, Oftentimes people will say, oh, it doesn't taste like regular ice cream or, you know, the consistency texture. It has a weird kind of aftertaste. Um, And so all those reasons, it was really important for me to kind of get it to a really good place. Because I think vegan food is still on the come up. And I think that you do vegan food really well when people are able to eat it and not even know that it's vegan. Um, because oftentimes people come with their own kind of thoughts yeah. and ideas about <laughs> what vegan food is going to be like. Um, oftentimes not the best <laughs> impression. So um, that was really important. And so the ice cream is definitely a popular one um, for a number of our uh, restaurant partnerships. They also carry our plantain cookies, chocolate chip cookies, our plantain brownies. Um, so people really love those. And then of course, you know, when it comes to like kind of bigger catering items, people also really love like our plantain lasagna, our burgers. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, um, it, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy, but, um, really all oh delicious. My gosh. That yeah. all sounds so good. I'm, I'm so bummed. Um, 
Yeah, next time you're going to Ghana, we should coordinate because I would love yes. to have you do a pop-up um, situation yes. in our restaurant space because yeah, even be awesome. just now thinking about it, in term, not just in terms, I can think there's so many facets and we should probably discuss it offline, but I think mm-hmm. I can think about it just in terms of one, the, the vegan piece in terms of educating people about right. maybe not necessarily going full vegan for the tra- super traditional Ghanaian, but like eating right. less, less meat, I think, for especially in our right in in Ghana is, is um, <laughs> that's a whole other yeah. discussion um, <laughs> but then also sort of the work you do and how that ties into food cultures and all of that stuff with plantain I think would be fantastic um yeah. but one one thing I one product I want to talk about before we um go on break really quick this is plantain wine so this is the yes. one thing with with covid <laughs> so like I literally pre covid I was probably in New York like once a quarter. Like I'm in New York quite a bit. And so one, because one for personal reasons. And then also just because the plethora of food options is just out of this world. And I get to try and meet meet cool people like Rachel. And then I also get to try different types of foods and whatnot. And so this is the bummer about COVID. It's like I can't even Aww. get to <laughs> places yeah. to track i've interviewed a few few people for this season who are based in new york that i hadn't heard of before um the season mm-hmm. started and I'm like man and it doesn't look like it's gonna things are gonna let up any soon anytime soon but here we are okay plantain wine like i'm also <laughs> a big fan of wine and so yes. when i first saw plantain wine i was like oh my god <laughs> Yeah, and what? it's funny because I was thinking because we had all of our kind of, you know, actual food items. We weren't really thinking about beverages until we then created our plantain peel tea. And that's what kind of put us on this whole journey of the bevs. And I was like, oh, goodness, someone had mentioned to me in South Africa, they have banana beer that you can have. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting concept. Let me tuck that one away <laughs> and then think about later how I can create like a plantain beer. And so that's what started the journey. So now we have our plantain beer, plantain cider, and our plantain wine. Um, and so it's it's just so kind of funky, crazy. You know, I can't even believe it sometimes that I'm spending my days like figuring <laughs> out how to make, you know, these things with plantains. But yeah, it's it's been a really good reception. I actually uh, took the plantain wine to um, Ghana this year um, and got to vend it at a couple of places and people were able to order one of the places. We did the Africella block party, which was a lot of fun and got to kind of share it with folks out there. Um, and it's similar to palm wine, actually. Oh, really? If you're familiar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it gives that same kind of... Um, like feeling when you drink it but of course you get a very kind of uh strong plantain flavor rather than the palm i'm yeah. excited to try it soon yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um i think you answered this already but let me maybe if, if i phrase it this way what product like are you either most proud of or excited to see people react to mm. yeah i mean i think it would still be the plantain ice cream. I mean, even though I think the beverages have been like definitely piquing people's interest. Um, again, I'm just kind of a sucker for the ice cream because <laughs> I remember all of those nights where I was up <laughs> just like 
trying to perfect it so it's like really my baby as opposed to the other products, which, you know, I care for and love, but the ice cream has a special place in my heart. And I think that, especially in this time where you see within the frozen dessert industry, there's, you know, again, the vegan ice creams on the rise, you see even like a Ben and Jerry's having a vegan option. And oftentimes these um, nice creams, I should say, are based with like coconut milk or almond milk and different things. I think for us to be able to produce a product made from plantain milk um, and then have all these different flavors that are, you know, more mainstream, but then also kind of really interesting flavors that play on um, our roots being African and um, the different kind of ingredients and flavors that we enjoy there, I think is really incredible. And so I'm excited a long term for really the reception of yeah. how people receive it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So we'll take a quick break now. And then when we come back, we'll talk more about the business of Kelly Williams, some other aspects of the brand we haven't touched on quite yet. Um, and then we'll wrap up with the rapid fast segment. So you're listening to item 13. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Eat Okra, your guide to Black-owned restaurants. If you'd like to support local Black-owned businesses, or maybe just find a new favorite place to eat, download the Eat Okra app now. Fill your home pantry with some great Black-owned products by shopping in their new marketplace. Available on the app soon. So we're back from the break. We've been talking to Rachel, all things plantain and <laughs> Kelly Willie, um, her interesting background in terms of her journey to getting here and then all of the different delicious things she does with plantain. Um, now I wanted to talk a li little bit more about the business itself in relation to like your background and experience. So one, just this idea of running a food business in like New York, that, you know, which mm -hmm. I think is a mecca of food. And um, also juggling it with being a student, right? So being a pe yeah. like, I think we've, we talk about all the, these great things you're doing, but not in the context of the fact that you still also have to, Right. You know, fulfill your responsibilities as a student. Right. So I wonder how you juggle all of that because there's a lot of people I speak to or I have come in contact with or experienced who have really great ideas or who start something and stop, you know, and I'm talking specifically in the African food space because of the other, their other commitments and trying to figure yeah. out how to juggle it and all that. And the, some really, really great ideas, but just don't come to fruition. So I want to talk about your experience to give people a sense of what that's like and then yeah. maybe some ideas for being able to, to juggle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is not easy. And to this day, because people ask me the balance question all the time and, you know, I'm still on that journey of kind of figuring out 
how to do that really well. Cause you know, I, I think some days I'm a really great student and I'm able to put a lot of focus and prioritize my energy into, you know, my field work and the dissertation. And then other times I'm a really great entrepreneur and like Kelawele is really thriving because I'm putting all the energy there. And so but that, I mean, that doesn't always work naturally because whenever you're paying attention to something, that means you're not paying attention right, to something yeah. <laughs> else. Um, and I think, you know, for now, what's really been helpful is to really grow slowly but surely a team of folks that I really trust, especially when it comes to the business. You know, of course, the dissertation, that's for me to complete myself. <laughs> but, you know, for the business, that's something that will definitely require and has required since its inception, um, a community um, much larger than myself could ever, you know, conceive of to really get it up and running and to be successful. And so building a team and whatever, um, you know, pieces of work that I can't do myself and really getting folks that I trust to help in doing that has made all of the difference in terms of just keeping the business going, you know, from a bare bones perspective. And so that's been huge. So for the, you know, when it's like, I only have so much time, but to be able to spread that out and delegate makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really key. Um, community, that community piece is really key. And even starting to delegate, which I'm learning or relearning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, over the last few months, I've brought on a couple of people, which has been great. Yeah. In that, yeah. then it allows you. I hesitated for a long time and I didn't know it's, right. it's, it's part of the, you know, type A and I like really want to be in all of the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I've just discovered how much time that frees me, to, frees me up to focus on more exactly. um, strategic. I hate this term, but it's my business. <laughs> more strategic yeah, no, parts of the that. parts of the business, you know, versus trying to just chug along. So um, one question I wanted to, although it sounds almost... Um, what's the word? Not cliche at this point, but I wanted to get a sense of, especially because New York was, um, or maybe still is sort of in some ways, the epicenter of some of the COVID, um, the COVID outbreak in the U.S., let's say, like how that impacted you and your business in the last year. And I guess, yeah, in the last year, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's, impact was devastating in a lot of ways, you know, I (laughs) think for us, especially because we lead with the ice cream, you know, festivals are really important for our business because the spring and summer months are where we're able to really capture the most amount of revenue. And so of course, naturally all of those festivals were canceled. Um, And so we took a big hit that last year and we suspect to do the same this year, just given kind of where things are right now. Um, But, you know, I think, in that kind of stillness of everything just being put on pause and stopping, it gave us time to really pay attention to the things that we had been neglecting when it came from even just like a branding and marketing perspective and just getting our house in order. Because I think when you're just so focused sometimes on 
you know, the product, getting it out there, going to different events. Sometimes you're not doing as much as you can to kind of fine tune the narrative to make sure people are really having good understanding of what it is you're selling in the first place and why it matters. Um, and kind of the things we were talking before around culture and foodways and why that is so integral to the business. And so it gave us time to kind of take inventory of what we were doing well, what we weren't and where we could really improve. Um, so that was kind of, the silver lining yeah. of last year and, you know, the onslaught of COVID uh, for us. And it also gave us time to kind of pivot and, you know, introduce new products um, that we otherwise wouldn't have had the time to do, like the cookbook. Um, that was like our really yeah, big Yeah, I wanted signature. to talk about that next, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it was a great segue to that because, um, you know, it really was – at the, you know, in the crux of COVID, we we're like, oh, this is something that we've been thinking about. And of course, if we've been documenting all of our recipes since we've started. And so we felt this was a really great time to kind of share more than just the recipes, but the stories and the kind of, you know, the character of Kaloele um, in the written form. So that was really exciting for us to be able to do. Yeah, I that's that's I really wanted to touch on that because um, especially in the format in which you did, because I thought one, it's a beautiful book. And again, it's one of those things we'll link to so people can um, can get it. I got it on Amazon. So I think it's on Amazon. I think yes. That's I think I got yes. it. Yeah. So it's easy yeah. to get on, on Amazon. Um, but it's a beautiful cookbook. And outside of the great pictures and recipes, I really like the way um, different stories are sort of interwoven into the mm -hmm. experience of the cookbook. Um, so it's very well done. Did you have to redo or create new dishes for the cookbook or...? We did some fine tuning, but all of those recipes were kind of staples, at least for me, um, that I was always kind of working with. But you'd be surprised, well, at least for me, I'm surprised, you know, when you're kind of putting a book together, you got to be very particular <laughs> with, you know, the, you know, measurements and everything. And so there was a lot of fine tuning that went into it, for sure. Yeah. And you self-published, did you? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, okay. You know, I, it's, it, I was, it was interesting because, you know, it's like when I started it, of course, I had no idea about book publishing. And funny enough, it's like I always thought my first book would be an academic piece because naturally, you know, being <laughs> yeah. in academia. Yeah. But funny enough, it, it was a cookbook. And I was like, how, how, what am I doing? How am I doing it? You know, and so got some feedback from, from some friends and I just felt like, you know what, I think self-publishing is the way to go for this first book to see how we do. Um, yeah. And just kind of share it with the world and share it with our community. Um, and then we'll kind of iterate from there. But yeah, it was, it was definitely just like a journey of doing something totally different left field for us um, and seeing how it, how it landed. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a, for what it's worth, it's a great book. I, yeah, it's, um, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I very much enjoyed going through that. Awesome. Okay. So, um, you, you were recently in Ghana, right? Like, yes. From, yes. <laughs> from Instagram stalking you. you <laughs> um, and I was just curious because one, you had a lot of pictures of plantain uh -huh. and um, wanted to check in to see if you had any um, new insights or aha moments about plantain or how you'd like to even approach Kaylee really going forward based on your experience being in Ghana um, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. time around. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, you know, for us, it's not just about having Kalabale in the States because, you know, for me being Ghanaian and having the business, I mean, it's named Kalawale, which is a Ghanaian <laughs> food even. Yeah. So it's really important to get back to the continent specifically back to our Ghanaian roots and have the business engaging in that way. And so, you know, we started last year actually, um, and was one of the official food vendors of Africella. We came back this year and did the block party. Um, but it's been interesting, even in these two years of getting the business back to Ghana, the reception has increased. And it's it's fascinating because the first time we were there, people were like, okay, well, your name is Kelowale. I'm expecting you to have <laughs> Kelowale. Yeah. You know, and, and then it's like when you tell people you have plantain ice cream, it's like, what yeah. are you talking about? And I mean, of course, we have our staple Kelowale, but yeah. like the part, the whole point is innovation. and Right these other pieces. And so people are kind of like hesitant. You're talking plantain ice cream to them. They have no idea because they've never tried that before. So there was a whole education piece that was going around or going on, not only just about the business, but about all the different things you could do with plantains. And then there's the piece around kind of health and introducing new ways to kind of eat food where there's no meat or dairy involved and so then we come back next year and it was like a really beautiful thing to see some people just coming up to us and saying oh we heard what you're doing this is awesome like let's try the plantain wine you know and so I think people were kind of somehow or another kind of catching wind of what we were doing so that was reassuring in its own way um but I'd also just felt kind of like an easier process there wasn't as much of a kind of barrier to entry to kind of engage people on this what at the time, the first year we went, felt like a really foreign idea for some of the folks we were kind of engaging. And so um, I think that the lesson there that just left me feeling kind of really excited about the potential for the kind of work that we're doing, you know, in a Ghanaian context, in an African context, um, and the scalability of that to provide kind of innovative, healthy foods that's really pre predicated on African superfood already. Um, and so that was exciting and um, I'm hoping continues to be an ever-growing trend and not just like a, a random one-off experience. But um, yeah, so that, that was kind of a big takeaway for me that I really appreciated. Yeah, that's cool. And, and Ghanaians, even with um, us trying to, well, we've had our own challenges in trying to uh, get this restaurant up and running. But one of the things like in the background is just thinking about sort of innovative ways to present like our cuisine and one yeah. you know some of the things we think about is how will it be you know received and because Ghanaians mm -hmm. can also be very particular about mm -hmm. their foods mm -hmm. and wanting it in a certain way so yes. um, I definitely can recognize that um, yeah. Yeah. challenge but I, I can also see the potential and sort of even the oh, I can't think of the word but just probably when people experience it and get you know they sort of almost not realizing oh my gosh like this is cool interesting different yeah. way to yeah. I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to that part of the journey yeah for sure <laughs> right yeah um Welcome. so <laughs> what's next for Ki for kelly willie for this year and beyond i know you're fundraising for a food truck right yes yes and so 
sorry, this year is actually a really exciting year. Um, and you're actually the first one for me to kind of officially Ooh. announce it to. <laughs> we're getting some new news here. <laughs> um, so, you know, as you know, we are uh, fundraising for the food truck and that's, you know, slow and steady. Um, and we'll continue to do that. But something that we're really excited about and we just signed the contract for actually is um, a partnership with Decalb Market Hall. Have you been there in downtown Brooklyn? No, I've, no, I've seen it, but I haven't. I'm familiar, uh, okay. yeah, but I haven't okay. yeah, been in Gotcha, there. gotcha. So, I mean, you, you're familiar with downtown Brooklyn, yeah. though. Highly yeah. trafficked, yeah. a lot yeah. of folks. And so there's a really awesome market hall downstairs of, like, the major City Point building. And so we've signed the contract, so we'll be one of the food vendors oh my in that space. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We're That's super amazing. excited. Yeah, because we'll be there and some of our buddies, uh, like Taranga is one of the vendors yeah. there. Uh, oh, so Marcher. that's why they're going to be. I, I knew that they were going to Brooklyn, but I didn't know yeah. where. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So they're at Decalb. Yeah, so we will be there starting July 1st. Yay. Um, yeah, so we're super, super excited. And of course, we're going to keep um, fundraising for the food truck. But that, I you know, it's something that we had hoped to get going this spring but it looks like just kind of in terms of the speed in which we're raising funds it might have to be a next year play so this i think it gives us a really good opportunity to continue to build engagement exposure and then kind of can continue um some of our other goals as we go into the next oh, year that's but, exciting july yeah. okay i i hope i, I hope know some- right Fingers crossed. <laughs> <I'm> like- <laughs> I hope somehow, some way, you know, the world changes and I can at least travel and, you know, safely yeah. get some good food out in yeah. Brooklyn. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That's that's a big deal. Thank you so much. Yeah, you yeah. and I both really praying that come summer, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're at a very different place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we're super excited about that. And now we're in the just grind mode of getting, yeah. you know, you know, our ducks in a row with that opportunity. But yeah, so that's going to be huge for us. That's amazing. Um, Actually, this just popped in my head as you talked about the slow um, raising funds for the food. Have you heard of I Fund Women? I have. And, you know, we've applied for grants in that space. It's something we continue to do. I think at this point we're like, Everyone has yeah. to know of us at this point, just given yeah. how many grants we've applied for. But still on that journey okay. of applying for grants and you know, really cool. getting in front of as many organizations yeah. as we can. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay. So before we transition to Rapid Fire, can you let people know where they can find you on so online, social media, if they're in New York, how can they get Yes, 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 (laughs) of course. So if you're in New York and are interested in ordering, the best way to do that is through our website, kelowellenyc.com, and you can submit an order request. Um, You can check out our menu, submit an order request, and that is for pickup in Brooklyn um, as of now. We do plan on offering some kind of delivery options between now and when we launch at Decalp. So look out for that. But for now, it's just pick up in Brooklyn via order request on our website. Otherwise, um, you can, if you're out of New York, we don't do kind of shipping yet of our products, but you can definitely still engage us by ordering the cookbook via Amazon if you want the paperback, or um, you can 
reach out to us via, via our website for the ebook version, which is a bit discounted as well. So for those who are out of state, you can still engage with us that way. Um, and then also, of course, just kind of following and sharing um, our Instagram page. That's been a huge kind of way for us to kind of engage community. And we've really loved that. So definitely follow and share on Instagram to kind of keep up with what we're doing, because we're pretty good about posting and sharing where we're at and what we're up to. Cool. Awesome. All right. Yeah. So now we'll do a rapid fast segment. Uh, okay, quickly. cool. Easy questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first one is um, breakfast or dinner? Dinner. Um, would you but like... like breakfast for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a breakfast food person, so I can yeah. eat breakfast food any time of the day exactly. for sure. Um, would you rather have more money or more free time? More free time. Um, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, more free time. More I'm going to keep my answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, this one was especially for you. Um, fried plantain or Kiliwili? Because people think it's the same thing and it's not. And it's not. It is not at all. Oh, my goodness. I get so annoyed. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I'm, oh. I think I'm going to say fried plantain. Because I can yeah. only have so much calorie yeah. at one sitting. Fried plantain, I can just kick it back, like, yeah. nonstop. So, yeah, I would do fried plantain. Okay. Um, and then complete the sentence. This year I'm going to eat more... Hail. <laughs> no. <laughs> really? It's true. It's true. I was just thinking after we talk, I have to go to the grocery store and like buy kale. I, I need more kale. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. That was totally unexpected. Okay. <laughs> I actually, if you thought I was going to say plantain, because I actually really limit my intake just so I can preserve my love for them. <laughs> so I don't eat them actually all that often, even mm -hmm. though I prepare them every yeah. day. Yeah. You know, I have to, I have to watch it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and then lastly, well, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Mm. Gosh. Well, you know, it's kind of crazy because I feel like I'm, I I feel like I'm doing it. Doing it, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, yeah, I think that comes with a level of just, like, belief and faith that, you know, has been definitely hard to muster up. But I'm at a place where I'm like, you know what? We're not going to fail with this. We're going to do it. Between Kelowelle and, you know, even the dissertation and kind of the hopes of writing this first book. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's great. And I, I think that's, that's a good, that's a good, um, uh, Oprah calls them aha moment to have for yourself. Yeah, you know? no, I just had that. Thank you for giving me that moment. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause then when you think about it, I got this from Oprah actually. So when, cause when you think about it, either whatever your answer is it should cause you to pause and think like if it's yes yeah. you know that's oh like oh my gosh i'm actually doing if it's no then like why not like what what's right. you know what's stopping you or whatever so anyway right. <laughs> wow that's, that's me being oprah for the day <laughs> oh, i love it 
love it. <laughs> All right. So this was so great. This is I I mean when we started the conversation, I I hope you guys couldn't tell. Like I was I've just been exhausted and tired and Rachel also mm. was has been under the weather, but I got had such a great time. Like I feel yeah. like my energy's up. Yeah. Um although I'm still gonna go take a nap. I was gonna say still go to bed. <laughs> um but it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Um I wish you nothing but the best. I I follow Thank your story you. very closely. Um, I'm excited for the things that you will do both here stateside and then back home in Ghana. And then fingers crossed, I can be in yes, this summer at some yes. point. We're going to make it happen. We'll, make it happen. we'll see how that goes, but thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Item 13, an African food podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. To keep up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Item 13 Podcast. Item 13 is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. 